on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champion. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's Axman. Radio 97.7, What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you here, wherever you're listening today. Appreciate that. How's it going? How's your Thursday? Ready to talk some sports? Let's do this thing. 437-7644, that's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. You can follow us there. Give us all the takes, hot or otherwise. You can also use the On the Block text line at 288-0644 to participate in the program. We have lots of ways for you to participate. We have lots of ways for you to listen on the ESPN app. If you have Alexa, you can enable the ESPN Syracuse skill. Just get on your Alexa app and click Enable on ESPN Syracuse, and off you go and Alexa can play the show. You can listen to our podcast on demand, iTunes or Google Play. Just subscribe to ESPN Syracuse. I mean, we got so many ways to listen to the show. I, I just I can't keep track anymore. We're all over the place. You go into a, a cave in Burundi, and there's a way you can listen to the show. It's a beautiful thing. So listen, participate, be a part of the show today. We have two guests that will join us, and we're looking forward to speaking with both of these gentlemen today. Crunch hockey, baby. Let's drop the puck. Let's bring on the head coach. And we'll do that in about 15 minutes. Now the Crunch have their big home opener on Saturday, 25th anniversary season. Players from every era of Crunch hockey, all four affiliations. They're going to recreate some things from opening night 25 years ago. And it is a celebration of Crunch hockey of the past. It's to look forward to new things with the modernization of the War Memorial, the new scoreboard, and the ribbon lighting, and bringing the modern experience to a building that desperately needs it. So it's a great mix of old and new. Meanwhile, the Crunch are playing hockey. They've got a couple games in their back pocket, and it's our first opportunity this season to catch up with Ben Grew, the head coach. We will do that in about 15 minutes. Really looking forward to our first conversation with Ben, who, frankly, I didn't think would be here. I thought he'd be coaching a National Hockey League team. Somewhere at this point, but uh, we're thankful he's back and we'll get his sense very, very early. We just barely took the packaging off this season. But what kind of team does he think he has here? What kind of team does he think they can be? Changes in the Tampa organization and much more 
if there was change at all, because a lot of the names just kind of shifted titles around. So we'll see how Ben Grew is approaching this season with a couple games in the back pocket, the big home opener coming on Saturday. We'll look forward to that right here in this hour. Coming up top of the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get a midterm report for Syracuse football from Stephen Bailey, who has been writing about this on Syracuse.com. Always good to check in with Stephen to talk some Syracuse football and what the priority needs to be during the bye week, if there's been any headway recruiting-wise. The back end of the Syracuse football schedule, six down, six to go what to anticipate, how the Syracuse football orange fix some of their problems if they even can, and what are the things that they can hope to continue in the second half of the season. Those are our guests. You can be our guest at 437-7644, Brent Axe Media, or on the text line at 288-0644. Wanted to get into some hoops today. Uh, I am not here tomorrow. Okay, you'll be out. You need a break from me. Uh, I will be on assignment during tomorrow's program. I'll just hold back comment on that. But you can't say that and then not say anything. I'm just, you know, just not a very friendly time for Brent. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, we that, but it's not all about me. Believe it or not, it's not all about me. There are other people that have to do other things in this town. But uh, anyway, that's where I'll be tomorrow on assignment. And uh, so we won't have a show. So we've got a few things to tick off heading into the weekend. I'm going to give you my survivor pick. we got to preview Red Sox Astros. I won't do like a full NFL blitz like we usually do on Friday, but we'll kind of look ahead to the football weekend. And that actually starts tonight. And that's where I want to start the show. Giants and Eagles. And I don't know what to think about in terms of the importance of this football game. Because anytime you look at the way the Giants are playing, they're one and four. Eli Manning, you just watch him play. And certainly, look, the Giants got back into that Panthers game last week. 63 yard field goal at the end from Graham Gano. Giant fans are still kind of, you know, picking their jaws up off the floor and watching that happen. But the conversation week by week keeps centering back on either Odell Beckham Jr.'s antics or the fact that really you didn't draft a quarterback with all those quarterbacks available. You really think Eli Manning? was going to last under the three, four years. And even if not, the Davis Webb was your guy here. And I, I think that conversation kind of creeps up on a Giants fan, on a Giant fan's doorstep more than they maybe want to or more, maybe they think it would at this point. That you let the Jets take Sam Darnold when you had the opportunity to take him or any other quarterback not named Baker Mayfield, who went number one to the Cleveland Browns. And you look at the Giants at 1-4, and four and you say, well, of course, this game kind of means staying in the conversation. But then you look at the NFC East and what a mess it is. And I don't know if I want to put that must-win title on tonight. I don't know if I want to put that got-to-turn-the-season-around title or anything else you can think of for this game. Now, 1-5. and 1-5. You just don't crawl out of that hole and go to the NFL playoffs, even in a bad division like the NFC East. And it's a bad division. It is a mess right now. The Philadelphia Eagles, another team that are trying to right the ship, trying to figure things out, get back on the right track. They've got that Super Bowl hangover. I don't think most teams anticipated them being 2-3 and three at this point. 
You've got two teams that are kind of relying on their defense right now. The Eagles, second-best run defense in football. They're 10th overall. The Giants have the eighth-best pass defense. They're 12th overall. Carson Wentz is slowly but surely kind of getting back into rhythm. He started three games, 67% completion percentage, five touchdowns, an interception, but he has had three fumbles in three starts. Odell Beckham Jr. is fifth in the National Football League in receiving yards, which most people would be satisfied with, but we all know from the interviews that have aired recently that Odell feels that he can play a bigger role on this Giants team and wants the ball more and, you know, Stop me if you heard that story before. Diva wide receiver doesn't think he gets the ball enough. The Eagles are a three-point favorite in this game. The over-under is 44. You look at these the last three games these teams have played. So the Eagles lost to Minnesota by two. They lost to, let's see, Indianapolis. Oh, no, I'm sorry. So the Eagles went a 2016 win against the Colts, 26-23 loss at Tennessee, and then a 23-21 loss to Minnesota. So the Eagles, even when they're losing, they're in the game, they're competitive, you can see where they're going, and you can see that Carson Wentz just has to get in a rhythm. They're thinking about trading for a running back. Jay Ajay got hurt, as we know, so the LaShawn McCoy rumors have really ratcheted up, and you know, a number of other teams that maybe are going to be contacting the Philadelphia Eagles here saying, you guys need a running back. The Giants, the last three weeks, they lose by two. We mentioned the Carolina game and Graham Gano dropping a 63-yard field goal, a rushed one at that to win the game. They lose to New Orleans, 33-18, and then they lost, or they beat Houston, pardon me, 27-22. So these are two teams coming in, we mentioned defensively, Ruling the roost, looking for more on offense. But at least the Eagles seem to have the pieces to do that. You have to wonder if the Giants have enough pieces beyond Odell Beckham Jr. to do that. They let Eric Flowers go. So you have two teams that really need a win. And where that benefits us is, knock on wood, Thursday night football has actually been pretty good this year. If you go pound for pound and look at the Thursday night games versus the Sunday night games, which are the two prime spots, right, that the NFL cashes in on. We thought Thursday night football was a joke. The players hated it. The quality of play was bad. And then Fox came in and gave this thing a makeover. Not only production-wise, but they got better games. They asked the NFL to shift some of their more marquee games into Thursday night. And by luck, because Fox has nothing to do with quality of play, we've had some good Thursday night football. Sunday night football has produced more duds than Thursday night football this year. And Sunday night is a very carefully manufactured schedule in a world, by the way, where NFL ratings are up across the board. I was told NFL ratings were going to plummet to you know bowling-like levels due to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, how'd that work out? They're up across the board. So we've got not only what we hope is a quality game, even though... Both teams haven't exactly been cranking up the offense lately. But this is an important game in week six for both teams, for the league, for the division, for a lot of things. But one thing that I don't think will get fixed tonight, even if he plays well, is the clock that will be ticking around Eli Manning. 
and how Giant fans now will watch him a little bit more skeptically than usual, and Giant fans can be pretty darn skeptical of Eli Manning. The Giants cannot go 1-5, and five, even in a bad division. And even if you win, that breath of fresh air is short because, well, you're 2-4. and four. The Eagles would be 2-4 and four with a loss, too, which is not where you want to be sitting as the defending Super Bowl champion. But at least you can kind of rationalize where the Eagles are there. Wentz came back late. They had some injuries, not only to Ajay, but other spots on the field. And I think we know their future is a little brighter than the Giants in terms of, okay, well, who's my quarterback and what kind of moves will the team make to be better? And I I feel better as an Eagles fan today than I do a Giant fan, not to mention the big fat, you know, hangover you have from winning a Super Bowl. The Giants... I mean, your quarterbacks won you two Super Bowls, but how quickly we forget these things. And that should not be the reason you keep going forward with this. I just, I'm amazed that they assessed the situation and said, yeah, we're good. All these quarterbacks in the draft, and they have the number two pick, and Saquon Barkley has actually proved to be worth every penny in the sense of what kind of player he is, but did you really address the need that you had to in that that's that's the gig, right? We scrutinize drafts, particularly drafts within the last three or four years, given how quickly we ask top prospects in football to contribute. I think fairly. You know, there's still drafts the Bills had three, four years ago that I look at and say, really, you, you traded both those picks for Sammy Watkins? Okay. That's where general managers make their money. But the Giants changed a lot of things. They brought in Gettleman. They changed coaches. They changed everything. But the one constant there is Eli Manning. So will the short week allow him the chance to take some shots? It's a, it's As much as players complain about it, it's a Thursday night game. The whole country's watching. They know it's an important game. Two brand-name teams, a matchup that would usually be a Sunday night game or the Fox Prime game. They're putting it up there tonight and saying, Important game, even with the records, and it's a game that will draw. It's a great. It's a game that people think, "Oh, okay, I will watch this." Doesn't mean we're going to get a competitive game. Doesn't mean we're going to get some of the better Thursday night games that we've seen so far. But pretty important game for both teams. But I'm 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 hesitating to come to that line and step over it to say that this is the season for both of those teams, even though the Giants would be one in five. I don't know if that's true because this division's so bad. But if you had to start to eliminate people at this point, you're one in five. I got to cross you off the list, right? So that's tonight, Thursday night football, right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse, right, boys? Home of the Giants? Do we have? Yeah, there's no. Seth, just come in here and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we have this game tonight as the home of New York Giants football here in Syracuse, New York. So, be listening for that. We won't talk about it tomorrow. I'm unfortunately not on the air tomorrow, but, uh, you know, big one nonetheless. We will do a little bit of a preview of the football weekend, give you my survivor pick, look ahead to some things that will be played on the weekend. And, of course, Syracuse football will not be one of those because this is their bye week, but we will still talk some Syracuse football with Stephen Bailey later in the show. Did I get that right? I'm glad you listened to the update. Can you tell I don't listen to your update? I can. Did, yes. 
Have, have I been busted in, in that sense? <laughs> it's on both. Yeah, it's on. It's on and, both markets. And yes. ESPN Utica Rome. Exactly. Yes. There you go. See, I had that one. I was right about that one. I should write that down. That's that's a good idea. In the meantime, let's get some diamonds and some dogs. Yesterday, the whole darn market was a dog. Let's see how uh, we did today. Our buddy Lee Baldwin joins us to tell us all about that. Lee, how you doing, bud? Good. How you doing, Brent? I we, am great. We I'm had a workout today. The market was down. It was up. It was down. And unfortunately, uh, it was down another 500 points oh, today on the man. Dow. man. So collectively, what, why do you think the reason for that is? What's, what's the deal? What's going I, on? You know, I mean, eight days ago, we were at all-time high. Right. So yeah. this is not that unusual. And so when the Dow gets up to 25, 26,000, so you're going to have big point moves. And uh, so maybe we're a little due. And, uh, you know, I think the, the whole China trade war, we've got to keep our eyes on that and higher interest rates like we were talking about, too. So, so even in the uh, workout party we had today, who, did we find a diamond or two that we can uh, talk about? You know, I did find a diamond today. Actually, there was a few uh, sprinkled throughout there, but uh, our diamond today was Delta Airlines was up 4.3%, so they bucked the downdraft. Uh, they had really good earnings. Uh, actually, their best earnings, I think, ever today. Um, don't uh, quote me on that. And our dog goes to Square. The credit card processor was down 10%. Brent, that's a big move um, as people left all these growth stocks that were darlings eight days ago. How quick things change. Lee, have yourself a great weekend. I'm not going to be here tomorrow, my friend. So enjoy right. everything, and uh, we'll talk again on Monday. Okay? You've got to have a great weekend. There's my man, Lee Baldwin. You can find him in Casanova in Utica or just go to LeeBaldwin.com to get all the info, to get in there and get great stock advice, especially like the last couple days, the market's all over the place. How do I stay steady? Lee Baldwin and company can help you do just that. We will come back with the head coach of the Syracuse Crunch, Ben Grew, coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block. Moose out front, should have told you. It is presented by Burdick Toyota. It's great to have you here. Now, it's always a good time to listen to this program. It's particularly a good time to listen to this program right now if you want to, say, win $1,000. Now, the trick is to win the $1,000, you merely have to go on the field at the Carrier Dome at the Syracuse-North Carolina game coming up next Saturday the 20th and make a field goal. If you are the fifth caller right now, at 437-7644, you will be registered to win. If selected, you get tickets to the game and one field goal attempt on the field for $1,000. Get that leg loose. Get those fingers loose right now. Be caller five and have your chance to win a shot at $1,000 from your friends here at ESPN Syracuse. Caller five right now. You get tickets to the game and a shot to kick that field goal at the Syracuse-North Carolina game for $1,000. Do it, baby. 437-7644. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's do some hot takes. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. And Hot 
Hot Takes are brought to you by our friends at the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in central New York. Oh, baby, here we go. Jimmy Butler's at it again. What did Jimmy Butler do today? Jimmy Butler setting the world on fire, and it just so happens that an ESPN crew was ready to interview Jimmy Butler about this whole thing, and I'm sure this was all a coincidence that that happened Anyway, Jimmy Butler led a players-only meeting after today's practice, uh, telling his teammates that, quote, he would compete with them and let them know that he has problems with Minnesota's management. Now, the main idea of this meeting was to let the players know who's running the show. He wants to be traded. Guys, I am in charge of this team until they trade me. I am out there leading the charge until they ship me out of here. Listen, I am going to lead you... Until they trade me. I am ready to take the Minnesota Timberwolves as far as they can go until next week. I am in charge here. We will win back our freedom. No, uh, no, went too far. Went too far. Just basketball, Jimmy. But I love how he's saying, I'm the one in charge here, but I want to get traded. Sure. I led a bunch of third-string players to a win in a scrimmage versus the other starters yesterday. He yelled repeatedly at players, the Wolves' general manager, quote, you bleeping need me. I had an interview with Rachel Nichols after practice saying he doesn't think that the Wolves' issues will get resolved. This is how you do things these days. It's one thing to go to management and be like, I'm not happy here. I'd like to get shipped out. There is a great phrase that Bill Simmons invented. And I'll give him props for it. And he's mentioned it on his podcast. And we've seen it with Kyrie Irving, and we've seen it with a few other players who have kind of learned how to game the system a little bit. It's called pre-agency. Like, you'll angle for a trade, angle to get out, angle to go where you want to go, manipulate the system before you're a free agent, before your free agent year comes up, before it's used to be before you sign a contract, you play it out when you're a free agent, you can go where you want to go. Now you use social media, the media, everything in your means to make it so uncomfortable on that team and show who really has the leverage in the situation that they have no choice but to trade you. And if you don't, well, that's okay. I'll just go over here and wait my turn. No, you call Rachel Nichols, you do an interview, you disrupt practice, which immediately gets leaked to Adrian Wardronowski. What a coincidence that was. It's like Odell Beckham Jr., just signed a new contract, but wants more, you know, targets, wants to be the man, wants, I don't know what more he could want, but you know what he does? Does an interview with ESPN, call up Josina Anderson, fire up the camera, and the Giants don't even know about it. You manipulate the PR game. You tilt the scales in your favor, and to do that, we live in a world where it's reality show mania former reality show star is now the president of the United States. I mean, things are done differently today. Yay, democracy! If you're obnoxious, it doesn't matter. It goes back to the old phrase, any PR is good PR, right? The whole sports world's talking about Jimmy Butler, including just three minutes on this show. So. That's hot. Congrats, I guess. Uh, speaking of things that go beyond just a good fight and go beyond a good event and worth your money, it's everything that's spilled out afterwards. Of course, the Conor McGregor-Khabib fight, which people continue to discuss. I thought this was pretty interesting, though. Habib said that he will leave UFC if his teammate is fired. You remember, of course, the fight in Vegas over the weekend. Uh, he told the UFC 
via an Instagram post to, quote, send me my broken contract if his teammate. Okay, here we go. This is the part of the show where Brent tries to pronounce a member of his team. Ready? Zubaria Tukagov. Did I get that? Did I get that? That is correct. I don't know if I got that. I think you're just being nice. I don't know if I got that. But anyway, he said he'll I'll leave UFC if his teammate is fired. He had a brief exchange with McGregor in the ring when that dogs and cats living together mass hysteria went down in Vegas over the weekend. He's also a UFC fighter and was scheduled to fight McGregor's teammate, Artem Loboff, at the end of the month. Uh, both sides have already called that fight off, by the way. Habib said UFC should only punish him and even said that they could keep his $2 million purse. Now, that's loyalty right there, sticking up for you know some flack that got in, in the ring and some guy nobody knows unless you're a UFC fan saying, you can just fire me too, if that's the case. Here is a, another situation like Jimmy Butler, like Odell Beckham Jr., now Habib, he's got a little juice now. Right, He's got a little leverage, and he's going to use it because, well, people want to see him fight that come from outside UFC circles. I think there wasn't a lot of people before Saturday night that knew who he was if you didn't follow the sport. Now, oh, yeah, he's that guy that fought with McGregor. So you're drawn in that general audience, and now he knows he's got a little juice because that fight put UFC back on the proverbial map with people like me, people that watch those sorts of things and are drawn in because there's intrigue. McGregor's fight in Mayweather, I got to see that, right? Who's this Ronda Rousey girl? Who's this McGregor guy? Like, UFC is still a big business. It still has a hardcore, passionate following amongst its group, but you always have to try and draw in an outside audience, the general sports fan. You know, when I bear it down to kind of somewhat change the subject. When I talk about Syracuse fans, I say there's the fair weather 10,000 you always have to draw in, right? And the fans that follow this team day to day are always so shocked. Like, what do you mean everybody in this town doesn't follow Syracuse football? Well, there are a lot of people around here that have other things to do and don't follow it as closely as you do. But when the teams do well, and Syracuse basketball always has that kind of element. Everybody that lives here by some measure follows Syracuse basketball. Some follow it more passionately than others. Why? Because they win all the time. They're consistent. You can set their, you, your watch by them. Jim Beheim's never had a losing season and all the other things that you know well if you follow this team closely. But there's still certain things about that team that draws in a general audience. Ooh, they went to the Final Four. Ooh, the tournament's here. They're playing Duke, right? It's the same thing with UFC and Habib and everything going on now. They're t they're trying to lean on and test how much leverage they really have. So that's an admirable thing that he said there. But from my view of this, and I'm squarely looking from the outside looking in, I don't think he's got that kind of juice. right? Like, go ahead and fire me if you get rid of my boy. If I'm Dana White, I'm like, okay. You think I can't find somebody who can do what you do? I don't think he's quite on that level yet, but... If you follow UFC a little closer than I do, maybe you disagree with that. That's hot. Apparently, Chris Bryant of the Chicago Cubs rejected a $200 million extension. A radio host in Chicago, David Kaplan, said the Cubs approached Bryant and his agent with a, quote, massive extension well north of $200 million. 
Uh, the same report says Bryant declined that extension. He's 26 years old and will be a free agent after the 2021 season. So if Bryant continues on the path he's on now, he'll get much more than that in 2021. 2021 is three years away. And baseball contracts, if you're given $200 million, you get $200 million. Unlike a football contract where, yes, you see these contracts all the time. He signed an eight-year, $100 million extension. Well, how much guaranteed money is there? How much of that is ladders and meeting incentives and backloaded money and putting this under the cap? It's like the number you always look for is what's the signing bonus and what's the guaranteed money? Kirk Cousins just got a bunch of guaranteed money. And Jimmy Garoppolo and you know whatever quarterback is next in line doesn't necessarily make them the best quarterback in football. It's just they're in line. You know, Matthew Stafford, for five minutes, was the highest-paid quarterback in football. Should he be? Absolutely not. It was just his turn. It's like you go to Wegmans and take a number at the deli counter. They're handing out contracts. He just happened to get the highest one. But someone's going to come along in 10 minutes and, you know, get that pound of roast beef at a higher price. That's just how it goes. So is Chris Bryant smart to turn down that extension now? or wait until 2021. He's smart to wait until 2021 because that's when he's really going to cash in. Whole trick of just kind of have to stay healthy. Seth Goldberg has loudly walked in the room and sat down. Is that my hint to take a break, I believe? Yes. I'll take I'll take that as a, a yes. Stephen Bailey's coming up top of the hour. Looking forward to that, talking Syracuse football. We'll get into some hoops. We will get into a few things we've got to kind of – Check off the to-do list ahead of the weekend because I'm not going to be here tomorrow. So we'll do our survivor pick. We'll preview Red Sox Astros and kind of look ahead to the football weekend coming up. It's all on the block ESPN radio. Those were hot takes presented by the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in central New York. We're back after this. Oldest tuition was due. And then you got hit with a vet. Thank you. Bye-bye.